revisiting Indian culture and teachings of global Indian thinkers in times of pandemics. Part 1. Message of the Rishi Chapter 4. Life, the Antidote Dear friends, the Isha Vasya Upanishad is considered by many knowers to be the very seed of the universal teachings given by the ancients and therefore the quintessence of Indian thought. Mahatma Gandhi has said, If the Upanishad and all the other scriptures happened all of a sudden to be reduced to ashes, and if only the first words in the Ishopanishad were left in our memories, India would live forever. He dwells in everything in this ever-changing world. Therefore, by renouncing ownership, fulfill your needs, eyeing nothing as yours. Because who does all this wealth belong to but him? The Darkest of Nights Times of uncertainty, anxiety, disturbance, chaos. It seems the constantly changing virus will not be subdued easily. Many birthdays might pass. Some say this could be the new normal. This seems to be a churn where the rules are constantly changing and there is no certainty if certainty will ever return. Question is, is this happening only now because of the disruptions caused by the pandemic to our way of life? Or is this how life has always been and we simply didn't realize it? Neuroscience says the brain makes a smooth video out of still images that it stores and sorts. It then applies an algorithm which leaves out most of the data that our sense organs have provided. When we perceive a threat, our fears get the maximum priority in creating this video for us. In fact, we can say our survival drive practically rules that algorithm and controls what kind of cinema the brain shows us, which we call life. If we ask, why, O Creator, did you do this to us? The Yoga Sutras say, the Creator didn't do this. It was a consequence of a basic error we made. Not just fear, but also attachment, aversion to life, and the sense of I resulted from this basic error. What is this basic error that causes me to suffer so much? The basic error is not seeing things as they are. The Yoga Sutras add, not seeing things as they are means mistaking the impermanent to be permanent, the impure to be pure, 
unpleasantness to be pleasant and not self to be self. Is it because we are mistaking the impermanent to be permanent that we get anxious? The Ishavasi Upanishad says, He dwells in everything in this ever-changing world. Rishi means seer, the one who sees things as they are. Rishi Patanjali calls the he of Ishavasya Upanishad Ishwara. And he says, he is the special consciousness untouched by afflictions, actions, their origins and their fruits. In him is the seed of the limitless knowledge. He is not limited by time. He is the guru of the earliest gurus and the mystical sound of creation denotes him. And dwelling on that sound, we know the meaning of he. And then our mind turns inward and obstacles are overcome. So we can see that he is not a person. He is that which dwells in everything. So it is said, renounce all ownership, but fulfill your needs, because all wealth and even you belong to him. Rishi Uddalaka says, you are that. So he is untouched by time, by change, and he dwells in us. Are we willing to also be untouched by time, by change? Are we willing too to be the seer and overcome all our obstacles? When the lights are turned off, tonight the moonlit skies are a play of white on a canvas that can never get black enough. We ask how to highlight the dark, how to create many shades of the dark. Let's work with some clay. Not to create new philosophies, but to bring different spaces into play. Let's paint different shades of black upon black to birth new ways of seeing. Because life can get a little harsh sometimes. Maybe we need more relaxed spaces, more caves, some healing. So today we invoke the darkest of nights. These are a few days of less sounds. Can we have the lights off? A small candle or just the moonlight or no lights at all. Close your eyes. Feel the dark all around like it's a warm blanket on a cold night. Because healing happens when the lights are off. Revenge, remorse.
Hundreds of candles were lit. It was a celebration. It was a big landlord's daughter's wedding. A lot of noise, singing, dancing, drinking the traditional sweet and warm millet wine called chang. Dining on a multi-course meal with many deserts. When suddenly, without any apparent cause, without any warning, the house came crashing down. Thirty-five people perished, including the bride and the groom. Somewhere to the east of the vast plateau of Tibet, a sorcerer had just used the black arts he had learned. And this was an act of revenge. Many years back, when the sorcerer was still a child, this house was his father's. His father had willed on his deathbed that the little boy's uncle and aunt manage his vast lands, the gold jewellery, precious stones and fine silks. Care for his mother and sister, and when the child would turn 15, all the properties be handed to them. That trust was broken. The uncle and aunt enslaved the family. And when the boy had turned 13, they refused to hand him his inheritance. His mother, angry and hurt, commanded the boy to train in the black arts and avenge their ill treatment. She sent the boy to a teacher of the black arts. The boy served his teacher with his body, mind and soul. His teacher was pleased and he asked the boy, why do you want to learn the dark arts? The boy narrated his story and the teacher of the dark arts was moved to tears. The teacher taught him two secrets. Using one, the boy killed the people in the marriage party. Employing the second, he unleashed a terrible hailstorm that destroyed all the crops in his uncle's fields and instilled forever a dread in the hearts of his uncle and aunt and all the people in and around his ancestral home. With this, he ensured they wouldn't dream of ever hurting his family again. The mother was satisfied, but the boy was stricken with the deepest sense of guilt. He couldn't sleep in the nights and remained restless during the day. Pragya, the voice. What was eating into him was that he didn't want to do this. He realized his real crime was he didn't listen to his own inner voice. The ancients called this inner voice Pragya or wisdom. And by not listening to it, they would say the boy had committed Pragya Paradha, a crime against wisdom. The Ayurvedic text Charaka Samhita says, Pragya Paradha is one of the three fundamental causes of disease and the main cause of Janapada Dhvamsa or pandemics. Aparadha means bad accomplishment, transgression of the law. Here, it is not in the sense of breaking laws of the constitution or the constantly evolving laws of physics, but 
breaking a law of nature. Cosmic laws that govern all of nature, including our minds and spirit. Gya means gnosis, knowing, intelligence, and pra is a prefix that implies before or prior to. In the Aitreya Upanishad, it is said, Pragyam Brahma. Brahman is the word used for the ultimate truth, the substratum of all existence, consciousness. So the ancients have referred to Pragya as the presence of Brahman in us, so that the inner voice is a voice that animates all creation. Pragyam Brahma means you can acquire as much knowledge of the black arts or of astrophysics or even the scriptures, but wisdom is not something to be acquired. It is there. Question is, can you hear the voice and can you abide by it? When you spend a few hours alone in nature, whether it's the desert, the snows, or the forests, there are moments when we can feel the geometry, color, balance, beauty. And in those moments, we know the perfect order that is always there in nature. Or rather, nature is that order. The order. When we create a piece of music, make a sketch or play with a lump of clay in our own different ways, we try to create that order. The artist is the child who tries to copy his father or mother nature. Often, a child's sketch with all its clumsiness seems so perfect. The artist Pablo Picasso has said that he would be happy if he could at last paint like a child. The child is able to easily create that order because the child has absolute trust in that inner voice. So the order is there. And when it comes to beauty of nature and its power, a baby that does not want to move, it becomes difficult to lift it. As if it has all of a sudden become dense and heavy. That's the power of nature. And try lying to a child which knows the truth of something. However smart you are, till the child is innocent, you cannot deceive it with the best arguments. That's the truth of nature. So truth, power, beauty. The qualities of nature manifest so easily in one who listens to that inner voice called Pragya which is embedded in all creation, for free. It's like an app which has a price list of all its services. But the one thing which is priceless is embedded in the app for free. If Pragya is that order which is attended to by beauty, power and truth, then Pragya Paradha is a thought or an act against beauty, against power and against
against truth.